Flyway Connections is brought to you by The Real Decoy. If you're looking to make your decoy spread come alive, check out the products. From the Roughneck and Natural Swimmer with the Max Flow Keel Design for optimal speed and battery life. To their Natural Flutter Extreme Mod 1 featuring their new proprietary tsunami wave technology that gives your decoy spread natural water movement. If you're the hardcore waterfowler looking for hardcore motions, look up the Real Decoy products at realdecoy.com. Use promo code FWC22 for 15% off of your next purchase. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Flyway Connections. Again, we are without Chris, it's just me and Joe. Uh, Joe, would you like to introduce our guest for the day? Hey, how you guys doing this evening? Today our guest is none other than Tom Cannon from Missouri. Hey, how you doing today, Tom? Doing well, fellas. Thanks for having me. Hey, no problem. It was a, you know, good to have you on. Uh, for, for the listeners that don't know, we've had him on before. But with technology is great, but technology is also bad. Somehow that file got contaminated and we couldn't release it. So here we are again, getting after it. So Tom, I know me, you and Sharp hunted together this year, but besides that, um, how was your season up there in the Missouri area? Uh the first half was absolutely terrible. Um, we had essentially very little migration until uh, like January seventh or so, and then it was it was great from then on. Yeah, it was like turning turning the light switch on. So, for, go ahead, Joe. No, so. Uh, I hunted up north, just a little north of you last uh, last year as well, um, in Nebraska. And the Nebraska season ends kind of early. It ends in like like those things were uh, December twenty seventh is closed out. When is your? Not just for ducks. You had their goose for, for uh, until through January. When did you guys' duck season close out? Uh, Missouri has three duck zones. It has a north zone, a middle. And a south. Uh, I'm in the middle. We ended January 6th or 7th. Uh, the North Zone ended, um, uh, I think, December, the end of December, like mm-hmm. the 30th or something like that. And then the South Zone is a week later, a week past the middle zone. Um, basically, uh, Essentially, they're a week apart, although the north zone does not have a split. It just runs straight through, and the middle zone, we're open for a week. Then we have a week split, and then we're, we run straight through. So, yeah. Uh, so what zone do you hunt the most? I hunt the middle zone. Um, middle zone. It's pretty good. Uh, uh, you know, the only thing only better obviously is the south zone and that really is only better in the in the boot hill Mm -hmm. um you know they've got you know this basically arkansas same terrain and everything down there so 
you know, they've got a lot of ducks down there. Is that where all the, the heated corn ponds that everyone in Louisiana hates is at? <laughs> uh, hey, that's a secret. We don't fuck <laughs> You know, hey, I hunt Louisiana a lot, and I'll tell you, we do the same thing down here, man, with the rice fields. You can't tell me the rice ain't doing the same thing as the corn does. It's the weather. Uh, <laughs> it's the weather. It's the weather. It's a lot of things. Um I mean, I, I, like, you know, I said last time about having Tom on. Tom's like the like the guru. Of like I call him the guru of the migration. I mean, he's journaled it for, what, 20 years now, Tom? Yeah, yeah, right at that. Yeah. And um, so, you know, with the Ducks, and then I know we're, we're talking about him, the geese heavy this year or the, this episode. But what have you seen with the, with the Ducks and the migration in the last past 20 years? Well, I mean, you know, like anything else, I mean, there's so many factors that come into play, you know, water and food and everything, but take all those out of the equation and you have to have weather, you know, to move birds. You you have some calendar migrators, you know, some birds are always going to be, you know, moving south, you know, in October or whatever. But if you look at the weather, you know, in our part of the country, in the central U.S., you know, Missouri, Arkansas, you know, Louisiana, where you guys and I are, those birds, you know, come essentially through the Dakotas and Minnesota. And it hasn't really gotten cold there until, you know, around the first of the year, sometimes even later than that. Yeah. I mean, they, they get little like everywhere, you know, they get little patches of cold weather, but then, you know, it, it, it doesn't stay. And in the Dakotas, you have three reservoirs that, that are over a hundred thousand acres and that much water does not freeze up easily. Yeah. So even, even when your small, you know, bodies of water freeze up, you know, those stay open and those can, you know, essentially become a refuge for a ton of birds. Oh yeah. yeah. And they'll sit there and keep it open for, yeah. for a couple of days and not even, you know, move for an hour. It's kind of cool seeing yeah. like, you know, some animal, the, I guess like they kind of know too. It's like this group stays and keeps the hole open. This group goes and feeds and then, you know, they probably switch back and Swap forth. Up. Well, this year, Tom, I sent you and cause I hunted, mid-December, mid to late December in Nebraska. I think I sent you the pictures of all the, the birds in the refuge on yeah, yeah. Chris, Christmas Eve. You know, like me and my boys are, we went to church. After church, they're like, Dad, let's go to the refuge. And I packed my wife and my mother-in-law, and um, my mother-in-law drove us around the refuge to look at birds. It This is in Nebraska, at, at DeSantos Refuge, in Nebraska, northern Nebraska, but uh, just north of Omaha, it was 54 degrees on Christmas Eve. There was yep. not a single flake of snow on the ground. Um, and th- there was thousands upon thousands of birds. And there, I mean, there was plenty of open water for them. And, I mean, that's yeah. – yeah, that's December. Yeah, they don't – you know, things have changed in the last – 
several decades, they don't go any further south than they have to, you know. Um, if there's food and water available, you know, the migration isn't like it historically was. Birds now only go as far south as they have to, yeah. you know, and, and they'll stay there until conditions get bad enough that they have to keep going, you know. Um, and the first thing I do during hunting season, you know, I mean, from like Thanksgiving on is, uh, you know, I, I get up in the morning, I double check the weather and the wind, you know, but the second thing I do is I pop up Fargo weather every day. And I look at Fargo and, and Fargo from my house, I live right on I-29. You take I-29 straight north along the Missouri River, and in nine hours, I'm in Fargo. Fargo, most of the time until January, is, is five to 10 degrees within Kansas City's weather, you know, temps, and has been for the last several years, you know. And, and there's no reason for those birds to come further south until it locks up. For, for birds, for you to get a good migration, it takes large bodies of water to be frozen, and it takes a foot, 12 inches of snow. Any less, and you, you might get a few birds moving, but the vast majority can hunker down and deal with it if they, if they don't have that foot of snow. And, and what, what the foot does is a honker you know, or spec or whatever. Um, they can't grub for corn or whatever when the snow's that deep, you know. And and if water is frozen up, that just, you know, puts two and two together and they're like, ah, I'm out of here, you know. Yeah. But in, until that happens, you will only see small numbers. And that's what happened this year was a classic example you know, Dakota's, their season was over, you know, they had, no, and Minnesota, same thing. And then, you know, guys were out there taking pictures and they were all pissed off because they couldn't go ice fishing, you know, and there were tons and tons of birds around because they had open water. And then that, that big, massive, you know, Canadian cold front hit. And it came all the way down through the Dakotas into Nebraska and northern Missouri. And it, it, I mean, in three days, I went from having one or 200 honkers here to having thousands. Yeah. Yeah. I remember you sent me the pictures and it was, it was pretty, pretty neat. Well, well, down here in Louisiana, trying, you know, trying to scuff my limits of the spoon bills up. <laughs> Still smacking mosquitoes. <laughs> yeah, because yeah, I mean, I I I I had um, hunters that were supposed to come up that week, and I I I kept waiting till the very very end. You know, I was like, uh, man, I don't know, I don't know. Uh, and then I finally told them, you know, I think you guys need to cancel. And yeah. The day after they were going to be here is when the birds showed up. You know, I mean, that's how it goes. But I just didn't feel right about 
you know, having them come all the way up from Texas. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's a tough and, call. And us maybe kill one bird, you know? Yeah. But then from then on, it was lights out. So did you, we, we kill a lot of ducks or just honkers? Um, our ducks had just ended. Uh, so then it was just honkers and uh, got a few specks here and there. Yeah. But so boy, we had the ducks, but they yeah. closed, you know? Yeah. That's always sucked. I mean, it's good. Yeah. Being waterfowls, we, we, I mean, we like watching those ducks, but you, I mean, you really want to put them on the strap at that point. Heck but, yeah. It was like that spec hunt we went on. All those yeah. mountains wanted to come into that spot. And then, yep. you know, the following weekend, it opened back up again. Yeah. So I was like, okay, I had a single guy coming in. It was just one guy. And I was like, oh, this spot's going to be perfect for him. You know, he's going to get a couple of lone mallards. You know, it's like just enough to kind of get a good hunt on a single man hunt. I didn't even see the birds. No ducks, no geese after any after that hunt. I mean, week week later it, it shifted and then, i mean i we quit the hunt early went over to another spot and start, i got them on some birds later in the morning but i figured that, i mean it's it's that weird. was like, such a neat hunt even even the being the ducks being closed when we're all there like just being able to get on the call and watching the ducks work and stuff like that while was everyone neat. was standing up too yeah <laughs> yeah yeah that was that was a lot of that was a lot of fun yeah um, but going back to the, the honkers, how are you hunting and really chasing those honkers? Like, like uh, you're spreading tactics type. Um, well, number one, and I mean, it makes no difference what quarry you're after, whether it's, you know, ducks, geese, deer, or whatever it is scouting. And, um, you know, Sharp will tell you, you know, you have to know what birds are doing. And even when you do think you know what they're doing, they'll make you look like an idiot. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> but, uh, y- you know, uh, every day I'm scouting. You know, I'm driving to the, sco- the store. I'm scouting. You know, I'm watching birds. You know, uh, I'm listening to birds at night, you know, trying to make sure that, you know, I go out in the dark. At, you know, and make sure that they're not out there feeding real late and everything. Mm -hmm. And because, you know, that'll that'll affect it, you know. And uh, I pay attention to a couple things some guys don't is moon phases and, uh, you know, like previous weather patterns, you know, that's, again, getting back to my journal, you know, um, just when I have freak things happen, you know, like if I go out and I think I got birds pretty much figured out and go out the next day and you don't see them, you know, or they're completely acting completely different or something like that. Yeah. That that's when I go to the journal and I'll flip through until I find a day that had those similar conditions and I'll look and see what, what I did or, what did or did not work or little notes I put in there. And a lot of times that'll help me figure them out, you know? Yeah. So what have you noticed? Because, you know, a lot of people, 
even down here in Louisiana and Arkansas, we've noticed the ducks have kind of shifted a little bit, but our geese, we're, we're getting a lot more geese down here than we were ducks, you know, and 30 years ago, it was flip-flop. You know, I, you know yeah. I, I transplanted here from California. From California, we always had, you know, we had the ducks, and we also didn't have as many geese as well until later. And now I think California is a 10-spec limit a day. Um, yeah, I know. It's it's nice. I like going back. I'm going back next season to go on that home, going on back home. But, you know, we've noticed, you know, the, the more specs and more snows down here, and the ducks have shifted a little bit. They're becoming more the bonus bird. Have you noticed that the honkers, you know, you always hear about early season honker and everything. Have those big Canada's really took off as well up there? Yeah, it's um it's been pretty consistent here as far as honkers. We 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 get a, a fair number of um little birds, uh, you know, lessers. Mm-hmm. Um traditionally this area is is uh, known for your graders and stuff, but in the last two decades, we get more and more of the they the biologists here call them eastern prairie population. It's lessers, and um, yeah, we see a lot more of those. And in the last five years, like you said, we're seeing more specks. Um, and I told you this is. What's really funny is, you know, the Missouri River and the Mississippi River are like, you know, interstates. You know, the birds come, they travel down them. Yeah. Uh, I'll hear those specks coming through at night around Halloween, but they don't stop here on, on the way south. But on the way north, you know, if it, if, weather and the season dates permit you know we get a reasonable number of them here the last five years towards the last week or two of our season really yeah so you guys talk i mean so that means are you guys putting a small spread out for them or you guys kind of just hope they suck into the your canada decoys well i have about a dozen or so um spec decoys and uh, I'll put those right in the kill hole. You know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> a couple of my buddies that, uh, on the Kansas side, they have quite a few more specs because they're seeing more uh, on, on that area. But uh, yeah, the, they definitely, you know, decoy into their own, you know, species. I mean, you can, you can kill them in a straight honker spread, you know, in the right conditions, but if you have a honker spread, you have spec decoys in there. Nine times out of ten, they drop in where the spec decoys the spec are. Decoys. So how many? Uh, how how big is your honker spread you're running? Because I know you hunt like a um a big oxbow, right? Yeah, I, well, that's one of my places. Yeah, I have a uh a place off the river. Um, yeah, but uh, yeah, it just varies. I hunt with um whatever it takes, uh, you know, just like trout fishing or whatever, you know, you match the hatch. If, if you, or, you know, if you only have, you know, 20 or 30 birds working in the field, even if there's a lot of birds around, you know, I won't put out more than, you know, 50 or 60 decoys, you know, uh, 
sometimes they get wary of, you, you know, huge spreads. Um, but uh, most of the time, I'm I'm putting out the big spread because of when we get, when we get numbers here, we have big numbers. Yeah. So I'm for the most part, I'm putting out ten dozen, give or take, sometimes yeah. more. You running all full bodies, or do you have um, extend or soft full bodies silos? Uh, if it's if I'm by myself, I, I pretty much run silos just for the ease of picking up. Um, I have put out 10 dozen full bodies by myself hundreds of times. That's the endeavor. I did that one time too. No one wanted to hunt with me and I had a big speck in the snow feed and I was like, you know what? I'm doing it. (laughs) It took me like, yeah, man. I mean, hour and a half. The way I look at it, you know, God only gives me so many days to hunt, you know, my life or career and, I don't want to miss one of them. And there's something about like those putting out those bigger spreads. You get, you do get a little like I've seen, you can work bigger groups with bigger spreads. And it's yeah. like, it's fun when you're, you know, small number of the guys and like, instead of shooting into that big group, just watching them work. It's, that's so much fun just to watch a big group. Work. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's one thing, uh, me and a couple of my buddies are big on is um, not shooting into big groups. You know, I mean, last week of the season, it's one thing, you know, but when you shoot into a big group, all you do is educate, you know, yeah. and that, that's a term I use quite a bit is educating birds. And, uh, you know, our, our limit on honkers here is three on the right across the river in Kansas. They can shoot six because they're in the central flyway. But, uh, you know, why, why educate a couple hundred birds or more for three and even a good guy can't kill three birds regularly, you know, out of one group. I mean, you know, you got three shells in your gun, you might only kill, you know, most of the time you're only killing two. A lot of times one. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, how many times, uh, uh, on a you know a decoying group or whatever if he killed three birds yeah you know with three shots especially on a wind day too like if they're sitting right in the, I, I can see with like big honkers when they're coming in the kill hole you know not a big yeah. wind day that big bird but when you got wind it's crazy how fast those those candidates can get out of there and just pick right up too well, yeah, I mean, look oh, how big yeah. their wingspan is. You guys yeah, some winter, I mean, yeah, you some wind underneath those. They're pushing. Yeah, and they and they are, you know, honkers, pheasants, and, and turkeys are the hardest birds to consistently kill. I mean, you know, there's days you kill them, you know, easy as heck. You know, you'll have one pellet in the bird, you know, or 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 you know, you've got a 410 and some fluke deal and, you know, they come in and you just waylay them. But most of the time, you know, everybody has seen those three birds fly away with a hell of a lot of lead or steel in them. Yeah. They're not like uh, snow geese. No, no. No. Snow geese, if you, if you speak meanly to them, you know, you'll kill them. (laughs) 
you hurt their feelings. <laughs> yeah, you, know? you said that in Arkansas. And you're like, yeah, but once you hurt these, if we hurt their feelings, we'll, we'll cripple them. God, that yeah. group that we got into was a fun group. We got a good. We got we shot what seven out of that group. I think we shot. We not. Yeah, we seven. had one group of seven. I think all of us killed. Yeah, yeah I, I think we ended up with 18 geese that day. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. Really good hunt. I think we're a couple shy of the spec limit. But yeah, the snows. Like me, yeah, I think we're maybe one or two, and then we yeah we got into the, to the snows. Yeah, that was such a fun hunt. That was such a fun hunt. I was glad those guys who like you know how to. I was worried we had a couple of guys with us that weren't really water like big waterfowl hunters and hadn't done much waterfowl hunting. And, you know, the first day it was a little birds weren't playing right. You know, like you said, I've been watching them and watching them and watching them. And then you show up and they make you look like a fool. And yeah, I, I was sweating it. And then we decided to pull the hail Mary on that hunt and figured it out. Yeah. But that was just a good, a good time all in general. We had a good group of guys uh, that everyone meshed. And you know, like like Sharp, when me and Tom got that up to our well, me up to Arkansas, him down to Arkansas, and we scouted with you that the day prior. We seen birds. I mean, you had us where the birds were at. You know, ducks are gonna do what ducks want to do, and that's just it. And we even then we still killed birds that first day. We just had to we had to work for them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's just hunting, you know. Yeah, that's just hunting. Um, but uh, like Tom. Compared because you know, me and uh Sharp, we don't get to hunt those big Canadas a lot. Uh, you know, I you know, I got to hunt up this year in, in Nebraska and I hunted them a little bit up in North Carolina. But the way you guys hunt those, those you know, your geese, how's it different from the way me and Sharp hunt down here? Uh, well, you, you know, the, the big thing about honkers and, and um like specs that I've noticed and I, I by far don't know a whole lot about specs. Um, but from what I've seen specs like to be talked to and they like, they're kind of more similar on that end, like a snow goose. They like a lot, a lot of talk, you know, and they like to be talked all the way down to the ground. Um, just at least from what I've seen of it. Now honkers, your graders, are different every day most of the time you don't have to talk them all the way to the water to the corn if you follow me some yeah. days they want a lot of racket some days you know you just gotta you know day to day you just gotta read the birds but that that would be probably i think the biggest thing that i have seen is and, and correct me if i'm wrong but the specs they they want to be you know they want to hear that chatter and they, if you stop, it makes them nervous. I'd say most of the, most of the time I, I you're right. They want to like, I think on a podcast they did earlier, Hayden Richard was on here and he said, there's like two types of ways you call specs. It's, it's a real aggressive call them to the ground or finesse, like, you know, really, really finesse hitting your notes, crisp, sharp, and at the right time. And I would agree on that. But most of the time, the luck I had for me, because I'm, I'm running traffic on my spreads. Um, so I'm, I'm going to sit there and I'm going to call them to the ground, but you know, if I'm yeah. getting on the X and I'm already like where the birds want to be, you can get away with a less calling. Yeah. Well, and that's and that's the key right there. You said 
when you're on the X and, and that's, you know, the key to everything, you, you know, up here in North of you guys. And I mean, you guys down there have some big ass rice fields too. Yeah. It's not like, you know, you real, you can't just go out and that again, scouting is the whole key. And, you know, those birds might be using that field for two or three days, but in different conditions, different wind or sun or whatever, they're in different areas of that field, you know? And if you got a 500 acre or whatever rice field or corn field up here or soybeans up here or whatever, you know, 500 acres is pretty damn big area. And I have seen them <laughs> and I've been humbled a bunch of times having 10, 15 dozen decoys out and they continually drop in two or 300 yards away, you know? Yeah. And put in a bird walking. <laughs> yeah. And you, you know, I get to looking and, and thinking and it's because conditions were a little different, you know, the wind is maybe slightly different or whatever, or sunny versus shady or cloudy and number two up here um you know where i'm at we're in rolling hills and depending on the wind sometimes they want to be at the top of that you know knoll and if the wind's really howling they're they drop down lower you know to kind of what i was about to ask you that how how that is because like like you said a lot of times you got to play that wind factor you're watching them on top of the hill this one day, light wind, then your wind comes up and on that rolling hill, they're probably going to want to feed down and get tucked out of that wind and sit on top and get hammered by wind all day. So exactly, I see, yeah. I see that on it's rice just, fields. Yeah, They'll it's just little subtleties, you know, and, you know, I mean, just the slightest thing will, will make a difference, you know, and some days if you're smart and realize it early enough, you can, you, you know, you can make a change and sometimes, you know, you, due to conditions, you just can't make that change, you know, but, uh, again, it's it, scouting is the most important thing. Scouting's number one, number two, you know, it goes along with scouting as being in the right spot, you know, but then, then the next most important thing is your hide, you know, absolute concealment, you know, wherever you're at, rice field, you know, cornfield, timber, whatever. Yeah. And you can get, a, you can get away with a lot more with ducks than you can with geese. I found out, you know, with yeah. your stuff and guys moving in the blind and, and covering up that one blind that we, the, that we shot the birds in with, had the grass grown up over it. That was good cover. Then that next week, I went back over it and covered it up some more. But what I found out, once I started making it to where it looks black when you're sitting in the pit with the lids closed, I started killing way more geese. Yeah. Yep. I mean, I've been... Hours of overhead brush. cover, you know, overhead cover is, oh, is not employed enough. And... Yeah. What, That's what, what I... Way before drones, you know, now people are using drones, but way before that, you know, I, anytime like in the army or whatever, you know, we were flying in, you know, Blackhawks or whatever, 
or when I'm on a commercial plane or something, I'm always like trying to think or, you know, put myself in a bird situation and you can see down into stuff so well, you know, and, and that's, you know, like if you get an A-frame or whatever blind or, or a pit blind or whatever, and it doesn't have a roof, you know, how some of them are more just like a straight pit. Yeah. And you don't have any kind of overhead cover over you. You know, the first few days when you get bird, new birds there, it's all cool. You know, you kill them easy. But then they start picking you out. You know, they're coming in perfect, and then they pick you out and flare out. And you're like, what the heck? They're looking down on you, you know, and, and then you compound that by like sharp six or seven guys in the blind, you know, and five of them moving, you know, yeah. <laughs> to call birds and sit there and watch people, you know, you, you got to, yeah. you got to watch people. You got to call birds. I've, yeah. I had a couple, I said, listen, guys, if you, I know y'all want to watch them, but if y'all want to kill them, look at your feet until I say kill them, yeah. <laughs> uh, especially on yeah. geese. Cause I had some water come and flood a flood of uh, a pit blind and I got there and a bunch of my brush got washed out. And I mean, I had a, I had a good cover, but where you could like sit back and hide, but there was a little gap that got washed out and, you know, they were looking up through that gap and the way the sun was, they're getting, it was beaming off their face and yeah. I told them, yeah. look at your feet. And what do you know? We started shooting birds again. Yeah. And that's, a, that's critical. You know, I mean, you can look at birds when they're coming, but when they're working, you know, keep that bill of your hat, you know, <laughs> horizontal, not vertical, you know? Yeah. That's how I watch birds. I'm like, yeah. I almost get like hunch neck. I, I do it every time. Like, you know, the Mr. Turtle where he's like, uh, mastered yeah. turtle, turtle, turtle. I feel like every time I'm calling birds, it's like when I come over top, I duck my head in and I'm watching off the brim of my hat, moving my eyes, let them go behind me. Like, I think that's a big mistake people make is they're watching the bird with their head and they're moving their head. You got to yeah. your head still, like you said, and look, look just off the brim of your hat and watch them with your eyes. Wait till they get out of view. Then you can turn around and watch the bird from the back. And I'll tell you a little trick I, I've learned just, you know, haphazardly is on water in the right conditions. I'm watching them off the reflection of the water, like a mirror, you know? Yeah. Uh, you know, if you just keep your head down and it, you, it's not all the time, it doesn't work. You know, you have to have the right kind of light and everything, but you can see the shadows or the, the absolute reflection of that bird on the water, you know, and, and you know, if you, if you, if you train, train your ears and your eyes, you know, you can hear them and just keep your head still like shark saying and just move your eyes, you know, because they they pick up movement like I mean that's their job you know staying alive, especially in an area like kind of my area where I'm hunting. There's thousands of rice pits everywhere, and everyone's yeah. stuff looks like exactly the same. And once they get once they see a black hole and get shot at a black hole when they're flying those levees and it goes. It goes rice. That's that yellow, that yellowish opaque color, and then it just goes to a big black hole and decoys. They after a couple of weeks, they put two and two together really fast. Yeah, if yep. you're not getting fresh, yep. birds, they put it together really fast. 
Yeah. And I mean, you know, it's like this. How many times have you, you, you know, been outside of the blind and birds are working and if you just stay calm and, and slowly settle in, you know, to whatever cover you have, those birds will work right into you. Not all the time, you know, but a lot of times because it, you kept movement to a minimum and the same thing like with layout blinds in a field, you know, like sometimes, you know, nothing's happening and you got the doors of your layout blinds open and, you know, you're shooting the breeze, you know, and suddenly a bird's working. What's the first thing, you know, one guy says, you know, birds right here. And everybody wants to get down, down cover and, up. Oh, I hate that to, so much. I just, I'm like, we're done. We're done. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that, that's like, you, you know, <laughs> Waving the white flag out. Yeah. But if you just, if you just, I mean, they already see your blinds, you know, and everything. If you just stay calm and don't move, you know, it's a 50-50 coin toss deal. Lots of times I've killed birds, you know, close with the blind doors open, you know, and everything. And that's just because there was no movement, you know. Well, like you said. They're looking for that predatory movement. Yeah. They see those blinds every day, you know, and lots of times they land next to blinds, you know, when no one's in them and stuff, you know, like how many times have you gone to a marsh or whatever and you see like maybe an old permanent blind and as you're walking over the dam or whatever, birds take off and they were right there, you know, next to a blind. I got a pond that I hunt. There's an old boat sitting there half, you know, underwater in the, on the dam face. Birds land, and it, it's not a camouflage boat. It's like an old bass boat, and birds land right next to it every day because they, you know, there's no movement, you know. There's nothing that scares them about it. Yeah, and they've almost kind of gotten used to They've gotten used to coming in and like, that's one thing I, I like layouts over sleds. You know, a lot of people use sleds in Arkansas. You just hook them right up back to a four wheeler or something, just drag it and drop it right off. But if, I mean, you can do that if you're running traffic, but if you're hunting that X field, that change in elevation, I think it gets them big, you know, cause they get, like you said, they get used to that stuff. Just go into it and not having any problem with it. Even, even if it's not something like natural in there, they get used to going to it and, you know, and they work closer and closer to it until they get comfortable. But if you go put something brand new that they've never seen out there where they've been going in day after day after day, it's probably going to make them a little weary. Exactly. And that's what I've told guys. It, it doesn't matter what your quarry is. I told guys this for years. I could kill deer out of a red Cadillac, you know, in the middle of a cornfield, as long as that was there for a week or whatever, you know, and and the same thing with ducks or geese, you know, if you parked a red Cadillac in the middle of a cornfield that they're wanting to use and just left it there, you know, in a few days, they would accept that, that that's, you know, normal. 
and you could go if it was legal. I mean, you know, you could go and sit in that car and shoot the hell out of birds, you know? And like you said, it's all about what they partake as normal, you know? And if your stuff sticks out and isn't, you know, they don't accept it, then you're going to have a tough time. I see a lot out where we are. So like when we go scout, I have like a little lease with a bunch of my dad and all his, or my dad and uh, all his buddies. And, you know, we kind of got talking to people about scouting, like, Hey, you know, stay, stay 500, 600 yards. Like, don't, don't go up on these birds. Stay back. You look, yeah, don't look, pressure them. Yeah. Glass them. But what we saw was there'd be a guy working on a tractor. He'd go right past those birds. They wouldn't even get up. Someone goes by on a side by side. Gone. I mean, it's crazy. The tractor could go right by the birds and the birds wouldn't even blink an eye at them. But they see that side by side and hear that side by side. They are gone. Like it's hundred yards away. It's funny you say that because we're the same you know, thing here in Louisiana. Tractor, yeah. They've accepted that tractor from Canada to Texas, you know. In Canada, they're following it, you know. Yeah. They're, Cutting grain yeah, and they're yeah. driving from behind them <laughs> like like sharks on a shrimp boat. Well, yeah, yeah, I mean you, you don't want to when you're scouting. You don't want to spook birds. That's the no, whole thing. No, no. You're scouting. You know, if you're spooking birds, you're counterproductive. Yeah, you're, this, you're when you spook birds to see how many you got up. You are losing birds every time. Yeah, because. At that point, now they're not comfortable, you know, they're not, they don't feel secure. Some of them are going to maybe come back. I mean, but you've, you've educated them, you know, you, they know something's after them in that spot, more or less. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, I mean, some guy, you want to get there and get set up before birds or, you know, whatever you're, you're hunting before they get there, you know, you don't, you don't want to be the, the minute man setting up right before, you know, the flight's coming. We had that happen one time this year. We, it was a frozen day. It was real, real cold. I think it got like down to 17 degrees and we had, we had a bunch of geese sitting on a spot, keeping it open and we got out there, you know, way, way before shooting like Dustin and I did. We started to watch them. We're like, we just kind of started driving the machines around, just like unloading stuff like that a couple hundred yards away. And some birds started to leave. So we backed out and we went and told our clients, we're like, hey, let's go. Let's go eat some breakfast. Let's let these birds sit. They'll get up and try to go eat on a dry field and then they'll probably come back. And what we'll do, because they're going to try to come back and keep it open again. It was just a, it wasn't really a roost. It was a small little pocket of, pocket of birds, just uh, specks. And they just kept it open for the night. The big roost was a, was uh, on that little refuge ours over there. And we go, we go eat breakfast at that breakfast spot we went to at Monty's. And we were coming back and we we're like, oh, the birds are going to be there. No problem. You know, they're going to leave once it warms up, warmest part of the day. They're going to go hit the stuff and then kind of, come back to that little spot. 
some of them weren't, you know, most of them were going to go over to the big roost, but since we were right there, we could kind of run traffic on them and it was give us an option to kind of shoot some ducks and we're coming back. And what do you know? I go, Dustin, there's our birds right there. And he's like, no, no, no way they got up. I was like, yeah, I'm pretty sure that's, that's our field. We get over there. There was a bald Eagle eating an Eagle head. Uh, snow goose and scared them all up but we got in got our stuff got our stuff out and we should have had a really good hunt um guys weren't shooting that good we should have had a really good hunt because the birds were going they're fine they went over to the feed after they went over to the feed like we thought they were and they were flying back over to that main spot and we were pulling some we had a couple nice groups yeah yeah Yeah, but it's funny you guys say about you guys are talking about those uh, tractors because down here in Louisiana, it's the same way late season with the um, the crawfish, the crawfish boats. The ducks will literally the crawfish boat could run through a raft of, of ducks and they'll get up and then move ten yards and sit plop right back down. Yeah, it's just whatever you know. They're not threatened by certain things, you know, and and they accept certain things, you know. Yeah, I, I was watching a I was watching a uh, a group of shovelers one time. They had the tractors parked right on where like the entry to the field was, and they were like laying down. You know, they're up on the bank, just laying down beside the tractor. <laughs> it was the funniest thing. I mean, you just see like little spoonbills. You'd look at them in the binoculars, and they'd be sitting up on the bank, walking up by the tractors and whatnot. Not not a care in the world, but you take a, a side by side over there, and they. Want nothing to do with it. Yep, exactly. And uh, yes. yeah, spoonbills are just a different breed of duck. I love them. I love them. Yeah, I got a big spoony sticker on the back of my truck. Yeah, <laughs> because some there's days that I'll be in the decoys and they're just gonna come in, no matter how much movement or how much humanistic movement are in those decoys. They just want to come in. Um, yeah. I will they're say, beautiful birds. You know? Yeah, season, they are. Middle they're of zoomed out. I spilled birds. Late season, <laughs> like early season, they're those ones. It's they're coming straight to the decoys. Late season, especially the ones that like hang out, because I, I think there's there's got to be a decent little resident population of spoon spoonbills around Arkansas. You know, that kind of just hang out and don't, or just kind of migrate straight to Arkansas, you know, like a calendar bird goes down there, stays, stays in that area. But I mean, they get smart, especially when they get in those bigger groups too, you'll be sitting there and they'll do like one pass on your decoys. You're like, Oh, y'all get ready. Here they come. They're lining up. Boom, right into the middle of the field. And then once yeah. that one group comes, I mean you just get 50 sucking in right in the middle. Middle, yeah. I think there is they I think there is a residence that say because we get them here teal season. They're I mean, for uh Louisiana teal season, you, know, you gotta be careful because one, they're not as plumed, you know, they're not plumed out yet, and they got that big blue patch on their on the that bill. It, we we've had that happen one time early early season. It's like, hey, here's what's coming. No, 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 yeah, no, no shoot, no shoot, no shoot. Yeah, no shoot. White belly, white belly, white belly. Yeah, yeah, no shoot. Um, yeah, but uh, Tom, um, you know, here on on, on the with the Flyway Connection, we have a lot. Of, we do a lot of stuff with um, 
uh, the real de- uh, decoy company on the, all the motion stuff. How does oh, yeah. motion? Af- yeah. How does motion affect the geese? Uh, <clears throat> obviously, you know, like any other bird, <clears throat> you, you know, you, you want your decoys looking real, and, and especially on water, you know, you got to have some movement and stuff. Uh, in the field, you know, you you want your it helps to have your decoys moving a little bit with the wind and everything. But from what I've seen personally, um, I don't want a spinner or a, a flapping decoy in, in my honker spread. They are, are leery. Now, I'm not saying you can't occasionally kill them because I've killed some here and there where we couldn't get the mojo, you know, the lucky duck turned off. And we still killed a bird or two, but day in and day out, if you have like, if you're running a, a spinner, you know, for ducks or whatever in your uh, honker spread, you are not going to kill honkers yeah. consistently. Uh, they just, they're weary of that. And, and probably shouldn't say this, but that's a little trick we use sometimes. Like if, like a scenario like what we were talking about earlier, you're in a big field and for whatever reason, they keep landing a hundred or more yards out. If we have one handy, we'll go take a spinner and go put it out there where they're wanting to be and turn it on and just let it run. Yeah. And and that'll kind of sometimes burn them off that spot and give us an opportunity to work birds, you know? Yeah. Um, how about you, do you, when you hunt them over water, do you ever use like a jerk cord or anything or? Oh yeah. 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 Big time. Um, especially late season <clears throat> and, and the jerk cord for me does two things. Number one, it gives you movement and <clears throat> number two, it helps keep the water open, you know, cause you're constantly, you know, putting ripples on it. Mm-hmm. When I see, you know, when it's really, really cold, you can start seeing, it's like slow motion. You can start seeing that water getting slushy and, you know, starting to get a little skim ice on it. And that's when you hit the jerk cord, you know, and kind of open it up again. And, and that open water, two things, obviously birds want it but they can see open water a long way, especially when everything's frozen, you know, and they're, they're up there and they're, you know, they're used to seeing, you know, gray or silvery kind of, you know, frozen water. And now they got, you know, maybe like a dark spot here in the middle of a lake or a pond or whatever. And they're like, wow. I mean, it stands out, you know, it's like blaze orange to them. You know, and do you run uh, ice eaters at all? Have you ever done that oh, yeah. spread to keep them? Yeah, that, that makes your decoy spread come to life. Yeah, yeah, but uh, for for the most part, uh, well, the honk the honkers don't necessarily mind the, the ice eater. What they don't like is the generator sound. You know, uh, and, so you gotta uh, run a, something. Yeah, uh, I, I'll like, I'll run the the generator, you know, when I when I think, you know, like 
I'll run it right up until I start seeing birds. You know, like at the end of the season this year, we had really thick ice. <clears throat> and I was having to run the ice feeder all night. And I I set my decoy spread out while the ice feeder's still running. And I stayed over there. My generator, you know, is like 60, 70 yards away from the blind. And I just stood over there near the generator with the ice feeder running until I started seeing birds on, you know, a couple hundred yards out. And then I killed it and ran back and jumped in the blind. And, uh, you know, that, that kept my water open as long as possible, you know, probably kept you warm doing all that. running. Yeah, when when, When it's like 10 degrees and if you don't have a good wind, that water will start freezing up, you know, and mm-hmm. it freezes up on the decoys too, you know, and then it makes them, it compounds it because it makes your decoys not look real when they are starting to get ice formed around, yeah. them, you know. I know I had that happen one day. They started to kind of snow on us. And like you said, you could just slowly mm-hmm. see that slush starting to form. Yeah. And I, and where I'm hunting in those fields, it's not deep enough to really run a run an ice eater or anything like that. So what yeah. I is I'd kind of go out, I'd walk back, go get my machine, and kind of get it open. But once that exactly. slush really started to stick and become ice on those decoys, and it had that like ring around the outside, it's really yep. hard to get birds to look at you. Yeah, exactly, because they can, you know, they got the aerial view, they can spot that stuff, you know, and. Also, when they get that ring, you know, around them another inch or two or whatever, the decoy doesn't move, you know, because it's got like uh, pontoons around it. You know, it's not, you know, bobbing and weaving, you know. What I've seen that and once once it starts <laughs> forming in your decoys and, they, you know, they're close together, it starts collecting more of that slush and then everything gets yep. like frozen together. Like I would try to move stuff into open water. I'd like <laughs> open water up and throw decoys over there and about 30 minutes, those would all lock up because they'd be stopping all that slush right there. The, that ring catches and just builds and builds and builds. So what moving and decoys are you using? Uh, <clears throat> well, I use the real decoy, but, uh, Good man. Uh, on on geese, um, I just mainly use a, a jerk cord if I'm in water. You know, I'll I'll put two. I have this giant um, uh, floater, and I I use it, and it moves a lot of water. You know, just because of the body size of it, and. <clears throat> it just comes in handy, you know, especially like on, on a calm day when you have birds working, you know, and, and, and you got to kind of like you're saying finesse column, you hit that jerk cord, you know, on a, on a calm day and it puts those ripples on there and, you know, it moves the decoys that are kind of near it too. And damn, you know, sometimes that's just a little icing on the cake, you know, that's, yeah. That's the hot girl at the bar flipping her <laughs> hair, you know. You're like, bam, I'm I'm in. <laughs> yeah. Um but yeah, another little trick uh uh for the listeners is um 
and especially, you know, in your shallow water, like sharp and stuff, when you can do it, you know, again, like if I'm out there and, and birds, I can see them in the distance, I'll go jump in the water and, and stir the silt up mm-hmm. because you can see brown water a lot further away and it stands out, you know, then you can see clear water. You know, when birds are flying overhead and they're they're looking for other birds and they're looking for natural motion, you know, natural things of activity. Well, when you have birds feeding in water, you know, shallow water, they're stirring up the bottom, you know, whether they're ducks or geese, you know, they're if it's real shallow, they're you know, when they're when they're swimming, they're their web feet are, you know, silting the bottom a little bit or, or, you know, they're, when they're feeding, you know, they're, they're, you know, flipping up and dipping down and getting stuff and, you know, splashing and everything. And that stirs up the silt and that really stands out. And if you don't believe me, next time you fly somewhere, you know, look down and you can see, you can see it, you know, and you can see it like on the lake, like when boats are running down a lake or river and, and sometimes it'll stir up the silt in the water. You can see like a contrail, you know, from a plane, but of a boat, you know, how it's silted up and you'll see it. That is, that's a big thing I do before all my hunts is murk up the water. I like, oh, yeah. what I like to do is I take my machine when I drop my clients off, yep. I, I look at my wind and I go, I go up wind to my spread a couple hundred yards and I'll mark, uh, you know, I'll, I'll get my spread stirred up around my spread first and I'll go up wind and then I don't have to go out as many times and murk it back up. Cause that wind carries that murky water down yeah. into your spread. Exactly. You know, or you, you know, like when you do have to go out to pick up birds or, or, you know, your dog also stirs it up, you know, and that, that's the other thing is, um, you know, well, it it, it happens to anybody that has a dog, you know, when your dog is out there in the decoys, that's putting motion in the decoy, you know, whether you're on dry field or water, you know, and up until they get really close, they don't always, put that with a predator you know mm-hmm. even if you have a yellow dog or a black dog depending on you know whether you're in water or corn or whatever even though that dog might stand out but he's running around they just see you know that commotion and he's not you know six feet tall or whatever he doesn't skyline you know in the decoys and a lot of times that dog out there, you'll see birds way out on the horizon. Suddenly, you know, they're, they're working, you know, I mean, they're not in this spread, but they're, you know, a hundred yards out, they're working towards you. And it's cause they saw that dog or sometimes even people Yeah. Uh-huh. At, at a long distance people, you know, but as they get closer, they, they're like, that profile doesn't fit the decoy, you know? <laughs> Yeah, well, even when we were all hunting in Arkansas, when we were messing with those those mallards on the day, you know, the, the no duck day, um, yeah. we had some geese 
kind of flying by and they seen the mallards working and they kind of turned on the diamond and started working yeah, the blind. Exactly. And I, even you said, Tom, um, Work birds, birds. birds are good birds. Yep. If you guys know, bird, I, uh, birds duck. draw birds, you know, even if it's not what you want, you know, like if, again, like if you can't kill ducks or whatever, if, if you can work those birds, geese, you know, whether they're honkers, specks, or, or snows, see that. And they're like, hey, you know, what's going on over there? You know, what are those guys doing? That must be a good spot or something, you know, whatever birds say to each other. And just natural curiosity. And if you can get them turned and maybe coming to you, then maybe, you know, you can work the geese or whatever it is, yeah. flip-flop that may be. And sometimes, like, in really heavy pressure, like, I've not even called, like, if you're wanting ducks to work and it's re- they're really wary, I'll just keep working the geese or I'll just, you know, even if there's no geese working, I'll call them with my goose call, you know, because they haven't gotten pressured maybe as much with, with a goose call. Goose call, yeah. You know. And yeah, I've had that. I've had that down here where where we're you know we're working a group of um, specs, and you know it usually works on the gadwalls and spoonbills. We'll be working specs, and all you've seen is a, you know a, a, you know a group of four or five spoonbills suck in, or some gadwalls suck into the rice field. Yeah, yeah. If you, if, you, if you give them something, you know, sometimes. If you give them something just a little different, you know, that turns them on, you know. Cause, yeah. Because, you know, like, if 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 they're in an area where they're used to hearing specs or honkers or whatever, and they see honker or spec decoys, you know, hey, that, that's natural, you know. Yeah. It wouldn't be uncommon for, you know, if, if you're hunting ducks and – the ducks are real call wary, you know, but you have specs like in Arkansas, like, you know, or Louisiana, you have some spec decoys out. And even though the season may be closed or not open, you know, hitting with that spec call, a lot of times that'll work, you know. I've seen that ducks really like to land with geese decoys, but geese. Oh, yeah like the land with duck decoys. Oh yeah. Yeah. You know, you, you get those times, you get those times where it's happened. Like, you know, you'll get geese landing to the duck decoys. I've had it happen a lot of times, but majority of the time I've always seen, they've been a little wary of the duck decoys. Well, even with specs, you see that a lot with the, with the chickens, the chickens might suck into the deep, the get curious with the duck decoys, but you're not getting a tar belly to really do that. The weirdest and, and like, uh, go ahead, Tom. Like up here, when when we do have you know good numbers of ducks, you know, in in the corn or whatever, I I only carry at any time two dozen um, full body duck decoys. I'll put out you know ten twenty dozen uh, geese decoys, and I. 
sometimes I won't even put any, I'll just put like two or three spinners out. But some days when I'm feeling really generous, I'll put out those two dozen, um, mallard full bodies and that's all it takes. They're, they're coming to that big honker spread, you know, like you said, they're, they're used to following geese, you know, and it, it doesn't always work vice versa, you know, but you can kill a lot of ducks out of just a honker spread. I think just that visibility of the hawker spread you get, you know, yeah. that longer decoy, you're seeing it from a, from a further, further away. And just the contrast of that, that white and that black kind of yeah. on, yeah. on that goose. It, it pops, it pops a little bit more, especially in like lower light conditions when mallard's heads aren't really like glowing and stuff like that. You can see that. Oh yes. In, in a cornfield. Now I'd say, a tilled underfield it's that's when a lot of guys run those black and whites and stuff because that stuff pops a little more yeah yeah but like you like you said the key thing is the biggest part of it is is ducks will go into a goose spread but typically not vice versa you know there there's always fluke days you know where you can't do nothing wrong <laughs> you know but day in and day out like you said that that's generally the rule, you know. I guess the ducks just feel safe or something with those birds or know those bigger birds. I'd like to know a little more like a science kind of, you know, if there's yeah, any yeah. like if study yeah. on that. And, it, and around here where I'm at, honkers and snows, honkers do not like snows. Um, they'll occasionally, you know, we'll have a a flock a small flock or whatever of snows come into my area and, and they'll work into a spread but for the most part and i don't know if it's the noise or what but honkers are, are turned off by snow decoys and i don't i don't even own any snow decoys just because of that i mean you know i don't honkers for the most part aren't wary of the spec decoys they'll come into those you know but if you put snow decoys out that they generally won't land anywhere close to those so what i've the little bit of research i have done snows are a very very aggressive feeder like when even just scouting and watching snows you know when they're coming into the group they're looking for that chow line and they're trying to get in front of that chow line, getting that chow yeah, line. Yeah, they hopscotch over yeah. each other. Yeah. So, yeah. so I, you know, we were kind of talking about the motion with the honkers. And, you know, a lot of guys r- r- running big honkers, they're not – if you watch them in the field, they're not out there hopping like that. You know, you got your feeders. They are moving. You'll have some, you know, chasing and getting mad at each other. But in general, they're, they're you know, a more methodical feeder. So I think, like – running stuff like socks and stuff like that. It's almost too much movement because it's not the natural movement that bird does when it feeds. Whereas the snow goose, you know, like you said, they're hopping, they're crazy, like a crackhead all over the place. Yeah. So that motion yep. with the sock is, is good. It looks like a natural, natural, uh, movement. Yeah, I will run. Um, I got a few dozen socks and I will, I will put those like, 
if it's a good steady wind or like the kind of like popping wind, I'll put some of those out, but I won't put them all together. I'll, I'll spread the socks. Is that a little in, motion in here the, there? In the spread. So it looks like what you're talking about, like birds walking or, you know, moving just a little bit, you know, but I don't want, I don't want crate, you know, I don't want a crazy wild spread, you know, like on snows where you'd have, you know, 20 dozen, you know, socks, you know, I don't want that much movement in my spread. Yeah, like we talked about earlier, match, match kind of what you match your, match your hat, you know, watch your birds. If your birds are being aggressive and feeding like that and throw some socks or something, but most of the time what you see there, they're kind of, you know, a few walking here and there, like you said, add a couple socks, make it look natural. Don't, I think that's a big key with spreads is making it look natural. Well, that and, so, and um, we talked about this. Some people put all their socks here, their silos here, and their full bodies here. Instead of taking that little bit, you know, take a half dozen socks or a dozen socks or 20 socks and put one sock for every five full bodies or for every six, seven silos. So you're getting that little bit of movement. You're not getting, you know, yep. you know, ton, you know, 10 move, 10 guys, you know, look like the, you know, the geese are having epilepsy seizures in the spread or, you know, you, you mix up them all up and you're getting that, that little flicker here and there. And it's not a constant um, barrage of just in one area or one corner of your decoys. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Give them, you don't want them to be able to pick stuff out, you know, and, and like, if you had a whole bunch of socks, you know, they can pick, they can maybe pick that out and to them that may not look natural or, you know, and and like when I do put socks out, I'll, I'll put the decoys that I have around them tighter, you know, to where they can't necessarily pick that out as good. If you follow me. Yeah. yeah. You're kind of, you're hiding that motion. It's kind of like what we, what I do with uh, hunting uh, spinners. I'll, and like, if I yeah. have one stuff, you, you get the motion seen, but you don't let them see the whole thing. You know, you're giving them that little flicker, that little twitch. They're, that's all yeah. they're saying instead yeah. of the whole entire decoy. Exactly. You know, like you said, the spinner thing, uh, uh, sometimes like if you're if you're running it like where it's in heavy cover to where they're only catching you know quick glimpses of it you know or or like in the timber you're putting it to where they're just getting flashes you know periodically you know or or the same thing running it on a uh timer or delay or whatever yeah Yeah. definitely with with all my motions i have um that remotes yeah, that's where this way. Oh yeah, the remote is the whole thing. I, I'm convinced. Yeah. And another thing is, you know, and I don't know how much you guys do it on um, specs and stuff, but um, flagging, flagging will make or break in. You really, really have to read birds because some days they want it, some days they hate it, and some days. They want it, but only in a certain, you know, situation. You know what I mean? 
Um, I've tried it a little bit. I, the only thing I've, the reason why I haven't done it much is because a lot of times where I'm hunting my spread is a little further out from where I'm hiding. And I don't want to draw too much. Like I always put calling birds out just so I yeah. don't picked out that way. But I tried not to do it like because I don't want them, you know, zoning in there. But I guess it is more of a draw. It's like you're pulling birds from a distance to come look at you. And then once you got them committed, you're putting it down and, and hiding it. Yeah. Yeah. For the most part. And one other thing is, and I don't know if this is right or wrong, but I, I never flag on water. Um, to me, it just doesn't look realistic. Uh, you know, I'm flagging when I'm in a dry field. And, and it, to me, I'm simulating birds landing, you know, or, or, or Pop, getting uh, up and doing the little, you the know. wing pops. Yeah, exactly. You know, and that is one little trick I've used to where late season honkers, um, if I'm really well hidden, uh, I'll have a flag sometimes if, if, if there's, if birds are circling several times and, and kind of wanting to stay out on the fringe or starting to slide out or flare out, you know, like, like they're really interested, but they don't want to commit sometimes on the corners. I'll, I'll pop that flag real quick, two or three times, you know, just to put a little motion in my spread. Mm-hmm. And Sometimes that'll work. Sometimes, you know, you can't do nothing, you know, yeah. but you haven't lost thing, but you have, you can't, you can't do it inside of 50 yards with them looking at you. You know, you got to catch them on a peripheral deal. Like I said, on the corners to where they're not getting a full view of it. Like, like you're saying with the spinners, give them a little flash. You're just showing, they just see like, as turn, it looks like another group just came in, sucked right in as they're circling out. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You, you know, and, and sometimes that works. Sometimes it doesn't, you know, and that's like the jerk cord, you know, um, when, when they're close, like within, you know, 50, 60 yards, depending on the train and everything, you know, I don't necessarily want that jerk cord going for two things because it draws attention to you depending on how well your blind is and how you have your jerk cord set up, you know, at some point you got to move your arm or whatever to get that jerk cord going, but I'll hit them, you know, if I, if I can really see them good, you know, like when they're circling, if they're kind of wary, I'll hit that jerk cord really hard once or twice as they're kind of on the corner or, you know, we're making that turn and their, their heads are away from me. Yeah, I'll hit that jerk cord really hard and try to pull that decoy underwater and it pops back up, you know, and that does two things. It, it makes that decoy jump, but it also puts a real big wake in the water, you know, and that will sometimes move several decoys, you know, and uh, that I works pretty good. Thing. And I do the same thing, hunt timber, like you said, as they go over. Yeah. That's when you do your unnatural like jerk motion. I mean, get as much movement as you can. Yeah. 
And then as they turn, that's when you go back and go in slow because those big wakes are going through your decoys now and giving you some more motion. Yeah, because, the, you, you know, it's like if you pop it real hard, that decoy is still kind of vibrating a little bit when they're when they complete their turn if they haven't gone away, you know. And it's still kind of wobbling a little bit, you know. And it doesn't look unnatural, you know. Yeah, by the time they come back and see it, they're seeing the end of it as it's going out, looking like they're just yeah. swimming. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, you know, it, it's just a little little experience deal, a little art. You know, you just kind of play with it here and there. And, you know, you kind of start figuring some stuff out. And, again, every day is different. There's never a solid rule some days. You, you know, you're the man and some days you can't do anything right, you know, and you just got to accept that. Yeah. That's haunting. That's what, yes, that's, no, yeah, it's, it's called hunting, not getting. That's what draws you back or those days yeah. where a true hunter, that's what draws them back. It's those days where you get your ass kicked and you're like, how can I do it different? What can I, what can I do? What can yeah, I do? And I'll tell you, the, the people that know me know, the worst thing that can happen is I, I bust a zero because I'm getting mad at them dudes. You know, <laughs> I, I will do anything to kill them the next day. And, and I've had, I've had five zeros in a row and I was so pissed off every day and every day I'm like working that much harder the next day, you know? And, and I'm like, they are not going to beat me. You know, today's the day I'm kicking there, but you know, mm-hmm. and you know, that some days you bust, you bust another zero, but then, you know, you put in enough effort and, and you, you know, you start paying attention to little things and then it'll happen. You know, those zero days teach you a lot though. I, I will say the days that I've gotten my butt kicked are some of the days that I've, I've learned the most waterfowling. Yeah. And, and again, that, that, this is one thing that I kind of harp on. Those are days when my journal really comes in a, because I'll put down, you know, hunted, you know, Joe's spot everything was perfect. You know, we scouted the day four birds, you know, North wind birds were using this, you know, we've been watching Joe's pond for days, you know, go out conditions were seemingly the same, you know, whatever that may be, you know, and, and I'll put down little, little things that I think maybe affected it or whatever. And then I'll, I'll go back, you know, and flip back to days where those same kind of conditions were. And, and I'll put little notes down. And then, like I said, if I bust a zero, I'll put down, maybe, you know, they were picking me out or maybe, you know, this happened or whatever. Little things I'm not positive or maybe sometimes you do know, you know, dumbass neighbor, you know, drove through the field, you know, mm-hmm. I'll put that down. Um, maybe that's what flared them or, or birds were just spooky, you know, and I just, you, 
when you hunt long enough, you can't remember every scenario. And that's where the journal really comes in because, you know, after you've been hunting 10 years or more, sometimes things start running together and you can't remember. Yeah. But that, that journal helps you go back and go, Oh, okay. You know, on a full moon, you know, with a North wind, these birds did this. And, And sometimes, they'll do that exact same thing again, you know? Yeah. So Tom, we're getting close to the end and there's one thing I've, I've been, you know, I've seen you post about it and I really want to ask you about it. So I noticed this year you got the home with some bismuth from a certain company. Could, could you tell us about that or give us any hints about that? Are you talking about the Oki? Yeah. Yeah, I've been I've been working with um Theoki shoot for 20 25 years maybe. Um I uh, uh they're a Missouri company. Uh they're originally Italian, but um in like the late 80s they built a plant in Ozark, Missouri by Springfield and uh they're they're a small company but uh they they make some pretty good product and they're they're starting to really be kind of innovative and this year i was able to um test some bismuth for them and give them some feedback on that and you know it's 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 killer stuff what size shot were you shooting out those big honkers uh on the bismuth, I shot fours. Um, I, I'm kind of, I'm probably the the rare dude, but um, I don't shoot big shot anymore. Uh, and I shoot three inch shells. I used to shoot three and a half, you know, double Bs on them, and and that worked. And then uh, a few years ago, I was talking to Carlos Ioki, and uh, I shoot a Benelli, you know, Nova. And I, I was talking to him and I said, man, you know, I started noticing on days when I was, you know, combo hunting and I couldn't, you know, the geese came in so fast that I couldn't change the shells out my gun. And I was shooting three inch, you know, twos or whatever that I had for, you know, mallards. I said, I was knocking geese down great. And he said, he told me this, and I don't know how true it is, but he said, Italian guns don't like three and a half inch. And I got to, to, you know, thinking about that. And I started shooting more and more. I started slowly going back to the three inch shell. And I shoot three and a half ones or twos on geese and i'm talking big conkers but i'm not past shooting birds i'm i'm shooting i'm picky i'm shooting decoying birds inside of 40 yards you know i don't shoot past 40 yards to me when you're shooting long range birds that only means you're a good shooter when you're shooting birds that our feet down or swimming in the decoys or, you know, five feet off the ground. That means you're a good woodsman, a good 
hunter. You know, you're a good caller, a good decoy. You know, you've set your decoys properly. You've got a good hide. When, when those birds are in the water swimming or walking around in the corn, they're completely fooled. You can't get better than that, you know? I mean, that you fooled a living creature, you know? When you're shooting them, you know, like when guys are like, oh, I killed that bird at 50. Hell, that bird may not have even been coming to your spread. He was just flying through the neighborhood, you know? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you, yeah, you're a great shooter. I'll give you a you know slap on the back. Damn good shooting, man. But you, you know that. Hey, that's not my thing. I'm not taking anything away from anybody. Yeah. The ideal is I like them suckers in in my face. You know, boots on, feet down, wings cupped. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, they're comp- and, and when and when you bust them, they're like, holy cow you know (laughs) i call it it the oh shit yeah yeah, exactly you know they're like oh shit oh shit oh shit (laughs) and and some days you know when it's just me i i just let them swim around for a while you know i'm just like enjoying the moment you know i mean that's what we do it for in my opinion you know i mean i like seeing birds work you know Yeah, it's a fun thing. It's there's nothing else like it that I that I've found. I, it is it's, no. I, I get just as amount of enjoyment watching a duck work my spread as I do, you know, calling at it as I do pulling the trigger on. I will say it is yeah. fun to pull the trigger and let the dog go get it. That's yeah, that's a hard one to compete with, but it's just fun to call them in, mess with them, watch them, watch them do their thing. Yeah, I mean, you, you know maple leafing or dive bombing straight in or you know if they're divers you know coming across like a fighter jet through your spread or or you know geese stair stepping down into the the spread you know damn there's nothing like you said there's no rush like that yeah well tom I'll get at the end of the show. I want to greatly appreciate, you know, you coming on for, with us again. Um, and really hope we all get to hunt together again this year. Heck yeah. Yeah, we had a blast. That was yeah. a lot of fun. That was a lot of fun. Yeah. Met a lot of great guys. Met a lot of great guys. and made a lot of great friendships. Friends, yeah. Definitely. So yeah. that hunt made, I made lifelong friends off that one two-day hunt. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And one, one thing, you know, I want to throw out is, you, you know, you can learn a lot from other people, you know, even just listening to them and, you, you know, it may be Arkansas, it may be, you know, specs, I may not have specs here or whatever, but you can learn stuff from people if you just pay attention, you know, it, it, like what we're talking about stirring up the water. Some people, a lot of people I've hunted with don't know that. Yeah. And that works anywhere. You know, you just pay attention and listen to some people and some, hey, you know, I'll admit it. Younger guys teach me stuff. You know, I'm 55. I don't by any means know everything. I'm 
always trying to learn something new, you know? Yeah, you know, the person who says they know anything about this waterfowl gig, uh, let, write me a book, please. Yeah, there's yeah. A, on a daily, on a daily, I, I get, so I see something new or I see birds act a little, I mean, it's just every day you're learning something new in the, in the, in the pits or in the, or in the woods or any of that. This is every day is a, a, every day you're going to class. Exactly. And I'll tell you one other thing, I mean, I don't mean to keep dragging you out, but not only can you learn from humans, but I learn stuff from my dogs, you know, I don't know how many times, you know, I've had birds come in quiet, you know, it's, it's a slow period, you know, you're kind of half-assed and, you know, looking around, maybe nowadays you're playing on your phone, you know, and I always kind of keep a peripheral on my dog because I don't know how many times the dog has gotten birdie, you know, and if you, if you hunt with your dog long enough, you know, when he's getting birdie, yeah, you just kind of, again, like we're talking about being out of a blind or whatever, don't j- jump up and go crazy, you know, just kind of subtly look to where your bird, your dog's looking. And I've had ducks come in quiet. I've had, I've even had geese drop in that I didn't see for whatever reason. And I'll look out there and there's like a single, you know, I'm like, wow. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Freebie. Yeah. But I mean, you know, that bird could have came and went, you know, if you, if you aren't paying attention to your partner, you know, I had that happen in the woods one time this year. I was on my phone, like you said, and I had a group of ducks come in from behind me. So what I did was I made Wyatt sit and watch the other way behind my back. And sure enough, like you said, he got birdie and I look up and I called in a duck and killed it just because I was watching him. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, you know, after a few years, they know how to do their job, you know, if they're a good, good dog and, and they scout, you know, they watch the sky, you know, they watch, they, they pick up movement sometimes better than us, you know, they don't ever take their eyes off the sky. We do. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. But that's just another thing, you know, just always, be paying attention to your surroundings, you know, and your dog is part of it. You know, if you hunt with a dog. Yeah. Well, I think that was a good one, guys. I think that was a real good one. Yeah. Yeah. Well, once again, great, great having you on, Tom. Um, what we like to do after every show is a hey, big thanks to Val and our outdoors for always supporting us and supporting the service member, first responders and their family. If you haven't Amen. heard of them or, or haven't seen it, uh, check them out. All of us here on the show, we've had first, you know, firsthand dealing with with uh, Val and our outdoors. And um, I mean, I can't, you know, they've done great things for me and I've seen them do great things for the service members out there. Uh, if you don't know, check them out on their Facebook page or their Instagram or at valandhonor.com. Also, we'd like to thank um, the Real Decoy Company for sponsoring this podcast. If you guys are looking for decoys or to make your decoys come alive, look look up the products at www.therealdecoy.com and use promo code FWC 
22 for 15% off your next purchase. Uh, like always, hey, let Valor not fail.